While South Carolina's football team's got a brand new tight end room heading into 2023, this position group will be just as important as it was in 2022. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen or watch here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. The South Carolina Gamecocks are just one week away from spring practice officially getting underway here in Columbia. And as we get closer and closer, we've been taking some in-depth looks at some of these position groups, some of which are going to have a bunch of brand new faces heading into this upcoming football season. And that couldn't be more evident than at the tight end position for South Carolina, a position that is still going to be important for South Carolina's offense in 2023, but likely for different reasons. When we look back at South Carolina's tight end room and what it consisted of in 2022, each and every single one of the players that I'm about to name off are all gone for one reason or another. You had, of course, tight end Jaheim Bell, who transferred out from South Carolina and went on back home to his state of Florida and transferred to Florida State. You had Austin Stogner, who decided to transfer back to Oklahoma. You had Nate Atkins, who was a transfer from East Tennessee State University and exhausted all of his remaining eligibility here. And then you have Trayvon Keenan, who was originally expected to be back with the Gamecocks, but wound up retiring from the sport at the end of the 2022 regular season. Now, there was a pretty big similarity between the majority of these players, which was the fact that three of the guys that I just mentioned were capable blockers who were heavily involved in the run game when they were on the football field, especially Nate Atkins, who probably was better in terms of blocking than he was as a receiving threat, but as he proved later on in the season, was quite capable in that department as well. This group is going to be completely different heading into the fall, as the Gamecocks are heading into this next football season with guys like Arkansas transfer Trey Knox. Western Kentucky transfer Joshua Simon, Florida transfer Nick Elksness, high school signee Connor Cox, and high school signee Reed McKeska. Elksness is probably going to be the most Nate Atkins-like out of this group in terms of his abilities on the football field. With the others potentially being helpful on certain kickout blocks or maybe some inline blocks in the run game, but for the most part, being more serviceable in the receiving game. And that is where I feel like there's going to be a difference with this tight end room and subsequently some of the play calling with this offense heading into 2023. Because Nick Elksness, when he was talking to the media for the first time this past Thursday, he had talked about that from what he had seen up to this point in the offseason, This offense is still going to feature the tight ends to a significant degree. 
So the question coming out of that is, how are they going to feature the tight end room? How is this tight end going to really fit into Dow Loggins' offense, especially considering the fact that, again, it's a brand new group? Well, and when you consider the players in this group and where their strengths lie in terms of the receiving department, along with South Carolina's running back situation right now, which now is down to three scholarship running backs after Lavasia Carroll announced his medical retirement from the sport late last week. Obviously, that's the most important thing for Lavasia Carroll's career and life at this moment in time. But in terms of the football side of things, the Gamecocks now, again, are down to three backs. But when you look at a Juju McDowell, a Dante Miller, and a Mario Anderson Jr., for the majority of these guys, their game is catered around their speed. So combining that with the tight end room, how could that affect the offensive play calling? Well, there's a couple different things that could happen here. One, obviously, you could see less running plays called throughout the season in 2023. And again, that does not mean that Dial Loggins, of course, isn't going to prioritize the running game because Shane Beamer, he still wants to have a balanced offense, which as he has said now multiple times in the past, to him, doesn't mean that you're running the ball 50% of the time and you're passing the ball 50% of the time. What it really means is that when you need to run the football, you possess the ability to do so consistently in certain situations such as the red zone area and on third down in particular. So for South Carolina to try to get the best out of this running game with this new group of tight ends especially, South Carolina could probably run a lot more zone run blocking schemes instead of downhill power blocking schemes like they did this past year. Obviously, the Gamecocks had a lot of success with power and trap, especially with tight ends like Austin Stogner and Nate Atkins especially. But with this new tight end group, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of that as much this upcoming fall. You'll probably end up seeing a lot more outside zone and inside zone, which essentially means that, again, everybody, instead of blocking a particular person or defender is blocking sort of an area and any defender that's in that area they're going to try to pick up and then from that point forward it's up to the running backs to try to find the right crease and then hit it basically as soon as they see it. and for South Carolina again having running backs of smaller stature with the speed that each of these guys possess and then of course you talk about the power that Mario Anderson runs with this could probably be the most favorable option for this offense in terms of the running game with new offensive coordinator Dow Loggins and the personnel that they currently have at their disposal. And that's something that you're probably going to see with this running game moving forward until this tight end room is split up a little bit more in terms of having more guys that, again, can probably block just as well as they receive the football, which, again, right now, you probably point to Nick Elksness as that main guy. Connor Cox could end up being a tight end that's like that. But the thing is, Connor Cox is a true freshman. Reed McKeska is a true freshman. And admittedly, as we saw with this offense last year, if you're not one of those top three tight ends on this roster, you're likely not going to see as much playing time, at least in terms of the offensive side of the ball. Now, Nick Elksness also is going to play a lot of special teams for Pete Limbo this upcoming fall, so who knows? Because of the amount of snaps that he adds up maybe on that front, maybe you do see a Connor Cox get some more snaps on the football field, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. But again, this is something that probably is not getting talked about enough at this point in terms of 
how this tight end room and the wholesale changes that have been made in terms of the personnel there could affect how this offense ends up being called this upcoming fall. It's certainly not going to be something like you saw back in 2022, again, with a lot of under center 2-3 tight end sets. At least I don't think you're going to see that quite as often, but based on what Nick Elkson has said this past Thursday and the amount of talent that this room still has, you're still going to see the tight end used a lot in this offense. It's just going to probably be in a variety of different ways compared to how they were utilized back in 2022. Now, as I mentioned earlier, South Carolina is going to be starting their spring practice period this next week. So what are some of the important details to note regarding their spring practice schedule? We're going to dive into all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, if you're somebody that is trying to pack on some muscle to your frame, so you're trying to find maybe some extra ways to get some protein worked into your diet while also limiting the amount of fat that you have and the amount of calories that are involved in it, then you've got to try out Built Bar. Built Bar is healthy. It's extremely enjoyable. It's covered in 100% real chocolate and it also has a variety of different flavors to choose from as i mentioned it's low in calories with just a 130 you've only got four grams of sugar included in your built bar and it includes a whopping 17 grams of protein you can find these bars today at your local walmart or sam's club at walmart you go to the pharmacy section grab yourself a four bar box that includes flavors like cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puffs one of the most famous puffs Built Bars out there from the company. At Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that includes both brownie batter and churro. Built Bar is one of the better protein bars out there. It's going to check off every single box that you have on your list. It is where tasty is the new healthy. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen here today. Be sure to check out our new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college hoops in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name insiders, experts, coaches, and players. Lockdown College Basketball is available on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. South Carolina's spring practice period is going to get started this next week on Tuesday, March the 14th. That'll be the first day that the Gamecocks will officially hold practice outside the Long Family Football Operations Center. It is going to be starting at 9.20 a.m. that morning. That practice in particular will be open to the media along with a couple of others, but that will be taking place the day after the Gamecocks hold their pro day for the 13 Gamecock football players who are going to be participating in those drills in front of a bevy of NFL scouts. And then from that point forward, there's going to be sort of a set schedule in terms of who all is going to maybe be able to meet with the media and what the responsibilities are. So from the opening day, Shane Beaver will be meeting with the media every single Tuesday throughout the rest of spring practice. And then starting the following Monday, all of the offensive players, or I should say a few offensive players, will be meeting with the media every single Monday. That'll be the same deal for the defensive players 
on Wednesday. Every single Thursday, there'll be certain assistant coaches that'll be made available to the media after that practice has concluded. For the most part, on Fridays, there's not going to be any sort of availability for anybody from the program. And then in terms of the scrimmages, there's going to be one scrimmage that's going to be held on April the 1st at 9.30 a.m. That's going to be technically counted as practice number nine for this team. And then I believe after that, there's not going to be any other scrimmage until the team plays in front of their fans in williams Bryce Stadium on Saturday, April the 15th. So essentially a carbon copy of what all happened this past year in terms of the spring practice slate. The coaches are going to all be available at some point in time to the media. So obviously we'll try to ask as many questions as we possibly can to get an idea of how well the team is doing, sort of what are the main things that they are seeing out there on the practice field. So Gamecock fans, just a couple of days away from the start of spring practice. It's time to get excited because South Carolina football, of course, for the second straight offseason, has got a lot of hype surrounding them and for very good reason after finishing 8-5 and five this past season. And of course, there's going to be a few storylines to watch for this team that we'll dive more into as we get closer to its official starting date. Now, we haven't talked about Sapcon's baseball team in a couple of days, and we need to because the Gamecocks just came off a big series win over their arch rivals in the Clemson Tigers. But that's not necessarily what I want to talk about to end today's show. I instead want to talk about a few different trends that are developing with this team. We're going to dive into those trends in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA's regular season is nearing the home stretch, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to a specific prop bet to a specific spread and even make your own same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. South Carolina's baseball team won the series against the Clemson Tigers this past weekend, two games to one. They're going to restart their two-game midweek slate this week when they take on the Citadel Bulldogs later tonight, and then I believe travel up to Charlotte to play the USC Upstate Spartans on Wednesday night. But we're not going to get into any of those games specifically. We're going to dive more so into how the team's actually performing on the field. And there's one main takeaway that I have with the team up to this point, especially now that they've played some legitimate competition in the Penn Quakers two weekends ago, and then, of course, the Clemson Tigers this past weekend. There needs to be more consistency across the board 
for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, I know that some people would sit there and say, well, Andrew, the fan base should just be happy that South Carolina won the series against the Clemson Tigers. But here's the thing. We talked about this on this past Friday's show regarding the series against Clemson, which was that South Carolina had no reason to lose the series against Clemson. And here's the thing. Although we're not going to remember this series like this, this past weekend series was a tale of two halves for South Carolina's baseball team. The first half of the series, Clemson was the better team. Let's just be honest. They were the better team in terms of their approach at the plate and how their pitchers were performing on the mound. And then it wasn't until after the fifth or sixth inning in game two when South Carolina's batting lineup and, for the most part, their pitching staff sort of came alive for the team and they put together enough complimentary baseball to pull out the series victory at the end, having the final game of the series in their own home ballpark. So let's start off with the starting pitching outside of Noah Hall. Starting pitching's got to get better in these games. Will Sanders, I don't think that Friday night was all on him. I think that it was more so a good approach by Clemson's batters to look for his fastball, which Will Sanders would probably say himself, you know, he has not had the best command of that pitch to start the season. And the problem with that is uh, the fastball is Will Sanders' favorite pitch to throw to home plate. And so because of the fact that he's not been able to spot his pitches very well with his fastball in particular, Clemson's Sky Report basically picked up on that. And they decide that essentially if we see a fastball over the plate that we like, we're going to swing at it. And that approach worked out for Clemson quite well. Now, Will Sanders would, of course, pitch probably well enough to keep South Carolina in the game on Friday, making it through, I believe, six innings, striking out nine or ten Tigers in the process. But at the end of the day, still gave up probably a little bit more damage than you would expect out of the preseason All-American. Then on Sunday, Jack Mahoney came out there and got through four innings, only giving up one run, I believe. But... Mahoney threw 83 pitches in those four innings. That is not an efficient outing for a starting pitcher in that regard. That's an average of around 21 pitches per inning. You do not want to see that out of your starting pitcher. And I do think that part of that is at times these guys get a little bit too juiced up when they're going out there starting these games. Obviously, it was a big series. It was a rivalry series against the Clemson Tigers, one of the best baseball series in all of college baseball, period, and a story. No questions about that. But still, these guys with the experience they have, they need to be a little bit more consistent with these starts, especially as they get closer to SEC play. Noah Hall right now. Besides that fifth inning, I believe, against Clemson on Saturday, has been by far the best starter out of all these guys. His changeup is extremely complimentary to his fastball, and he has mixed up his pitches quite well to keep batters off balance. And right now, outside of him, the starting pitching rotation has got to do a little bit better against these tougher batters at the plate. The batting lineup has got to be more consistent. They are extremely streaky right now. This batting lineup either goes out there and scores three or four runs in a matter of one or two innings because once a couple guys get on base, it almost seems like it is contagious for this batting lineup. Or these guys go out there and they go down one, two, three, one, two, three, get one hit in this inning, then go down one, two, three in the next inning. That's the way that this batting lineup is performing right now. Basically, the guys need a couple of players in front of them to do something for them to seemingly come up with, I guess, enough confidence or maybe be able to have a different approach at the plate. And obviously, you know, 
If it means that South Carolina is going to score eight runs every time they get something going, then I know the fan base will probably take that. But at the same time, at some point, this batting lineup is going to have to be able to play some small ball. Basically meaning that, look, there's going to be some games where runs are going to come at a premium, where you're going to have to be able to find a way to squeeze in a couple of runs here and there without having to string a bunch of hits together. Have to rely on the long ball to score the majority of your runs. And right now, I think South Carolina is struggling a little bit in that aspect. And again, obviously, they're getting ready to start conference play in just a week and a half's time. And it might not start out facing off against the best pitching in this conference with the Missouri Tigers, I believe, being the first or second SEC series and then Georgia right before that. But you face a team like a Tennessee, you face a team like an Arkansas, a Florida, a Vanderbilt especially, you're going to face some really top-notch pitching. Guys are going to be pitching in the major leagues one day. You're going to have to do better in terms of being able to play both small ball and gorilla ball, so to speak, if you want to be able to win a lot of these games in conference play. And that leads me to my last point, which is going to touch on fielding and running on the base pads. The Gamecocks are making too many little mistakes in the field. They just are. I looked it up after this past weekend series. Right now, the Gamecocks are averaging 1.2 errors per game, which might not sound bad to a lot of people, but that ranks dead last right now in the entire SEC. And this team is just leaving these series with too many errors to show. I believe they had five or six against Clemson and also five or six against the Penn Quakers. So again, right now, this team is basically averaging one mistake on their own accord every single ball game. And you just cannot have that. Now, obviously, again, this is college baseball we're talking about. So this is going to probably happen in certain stretches, especially with the emphasis on sort of velocity pitching and more so power hitting these days at the plate. But fielding is still going to be very important at some point, especially if you want to be a team that makes a deep postseason run. And right now, South Carolina, when it comes to the really tough plays in the field, for the most part, they've not been able to make them. And then there's other smaller plays, like Jack Mahoney's throw to second base in Game 3 against Clemson, where you've got plenty of time to make the throw to second base, but you rush the throw too quickly, and you wind up throwing behind your infielders, and Clemson ends up getting two runs in scoring position, and luckily only score one of those runs. But those kind of situations will add up. And then you have base running mistakes as well. You have guys that are not paying maybe as much attention to plays that are happening in the outfield or, you know, halfway between the outfield and infield. And it's causing them to overrun their respective base. And by the time they realize what's going on, they're caught in a rundown. They're in no man's land. And they end up being the third out of the inning. That happened twice against the Clemson Tigers this past weekend. Again, little things like that, especially when it comes to games where runs are going to be at a premium. You cannot have that because you combine everything I just mentioned with the fielding and base running with the streaky hitting and then inconsistent pitching from the starting pitchers this past weekend, at least two of them. This is going to catch up to South Carolina eventually. It's a good thing right now that, again, they've only got one loss to their name. And yes, they won the series against the Clemson Tigers. But we also got to be honest here. South Carolina, first of all, was supposed to win that series. And secondly, it took Clemson going down into the bottom of the barrel of their pitching staff for the Gamecocks to really start to see some success at the plate. 
I don't think that's a good sign for this team. Again, a win is a win, and you'll take that in college baseball every day that you can get it. But at some point, some of these things are going to start to add up. So for South Carolina, for the next week and a half or so, they really need to concentrate on trying to shore up some of these areas and try to fix some of these mistakes, some of which are correctable, thankfully. So they've got time to do it, but they've got to do it soon before it really starts to bite them in SEC play. So with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what are your thoughts on this brand new tight end room that the Gamecocks have? How do you think it's going to affect the Gamecocks offensive play calling in 2023? Let me know your thoughts down below on that and the other topics I went over in the comment section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message at a line underscore SC on Twitter. And also, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second watch or listen now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.